I'm Jess. I'm Dee. And we're The The Social Social Girls, Girls, a podcast for women who appreciate real life talk and F-bombs. Before we get into today's episode, we need to shout out a local business that we love, and she also happens to be our season two sponsor. Girl Gang Yeg is an online boutique, and she makes crew necks, sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts for women, and she also has baby apparel. The crew necks are absolutely perfect for fall. I'm wearing one right now that says girl power, but my next one is definitely going to be this is my dog cuddling sweatshirt. Um, okay. If you head to her website, girlgangyeg.shop, you can use our promo code socialgirls and you'll get 15% off any order over $75. We absolutely love her stuff. We are so excited to be paired up with her, and we think you're really, really going to love it too. So go to girlgangyeg.shop and use the promo code SOCIALGIRLS, and don't forget to let us know what you got. Hi, Girl Gang. Today's episode is really special because it's one of our Halloween bonus episodes. These episodes are short, and I want to say sweet, but they're not. They're all going to be true crime. I absolutely love, love, love true crime, and I've wanted to do an episode for a while, so we thought Halloween was kind of the perfect time. This episode is also just going to be me, no Jess. It's a little lonely, but I'm going to do my best to tell you guys a story. And the story that I'm going to tell you today is about Melanie McGuire. I listened to a podcast on this about a year ago, and since then, I've been absolutely hooked on this case. I can't decide if Melanie killed her husband of five years or not. I'm going to share the story with you, but I'm going to keep it brief. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I'm going to do my best to show both sides of the case. And then if you want to hear more, please go listen to the podcast Direct Appeal. And of course, once you have an opinion, make sure you share it with me because I'm really, really curious what you guys are going to think about this case. So Melanie and Bill were a pretty typical couple. They lived in New Jersey. Melanie was a fertility nurse and Bill worked for the New Jersey Institute of Technology. I have no idea what he does, um, but that's what I found. So we're going to go with that. They got married in 1999 and together they had two sons. Bill was described by his family and friends as outgoing, funny, and he really loved to have a good time. I feel like Bill and I would get along. Um, In Melanie's interviews, honestly, guys, she comes off cold. She's very, this is the facts. But I will say in all her interviews, her story is the exact same. Um, However, all her former patients say that she was kind, nurturing, and just all around a really great mom and a great person. So on the outside, it looked like everything was going great. But on the inside, it wasn't. Melanie admits that the couple was headed for a divorce. They had both accused the other of infidelity and Melanie even admitting to having an affair with one of the doctors at her clinic. Um, And the affair started when she was eight months pregnant with their second son. Like if you have that much confidence when you're eight months pregnant, like fuck yeah, you do you girl. Um, Unless you're a killer. Anyways, uh, in reality, the marriage wasn't great. But the story that I really want to tell you guys begins on May 5th, 2004, when three separate dark green suitcases, 
wash up near Virginia Beach. And inside the suitcases were pieces of a dismembered body. The body parts were wrapped in blankets and trash bags. The body was eventually identified as 39-year-old Bill, and his cause of death was gunshot wounds. Being that there's three suitcases, I shouldn't have to tell you that his body was severely dismembered, including being decapitated. On a really disturbing note, when I was looking up information about this, um, apparently the fishermen that found the suitcases, one of their young sons was on the boat, and he thought that they were getting buried treasure. Um, Not exactly buried treasure, buddy. Just a sliced up bill. When investigators call Melanie to tell her that her husband's dead body has been found, dismembered, and stuffed in suitcases, honestly, she's pretty shocked, and according to Melanie, she is in disbelief. Um, And then she tells a story. So the last time Melanie says she saw Bill was April 29th, and on that day, they had a really big fight, and Bill stormed out of the house. The fight starts around 4 a.m. and it turns physical, including Bill shoving a dryer sheet into Melanie's mouth and slapping her in the face. Um, Just take a moment to think about how disgusting a dryer sheet would taste. Anyways, after being smacked in the face, Melanie takes their sons, goes in the bathroom, locks them in, and she can hear Bill packing suitcases and bringing them up and down the stairs and he leaves. And on his way out, he says, I'm never coming back. Melanie says Bill had a gambling addiction, and after fights like this, it really wasn't uncommon for him to disappear to Atlantic City and gamble for days and sometimes weeks on end. I should mention that in the trial, it did come out that this actually is true, and Bill did love gambling, and he also loved Atlantic City. So four months after his body is discovered, a full-blown murder investigation is happening, and of course, the number one suspect, it's always the spouse. They re-examine the suitcases that Bill was found in and they find long brown hair and a scrap of nail polish, which really elevates the theory that Melanie was behind this. The manufacturer of the blanket that Bill's head was found wrapped in actually says he sold blankets to hospitals and clinics all the time. And remember, Melanie works at a fertility clinic. At this point in the investigation, it's really not looking good for Melanie. She didn't report her husband missing after the fight. He turns up in a suitcase that is from their home, and now the blanket in one of the suitcases could possibly be from her job. But let's keep going. Investigators also retrieve some garbage bags from the McGuire house, and they say they match the garbage bags that some of Bill's body parts were found in. They also went through Bill's email, and on the last day he was seen alive, which was just before their fight... Bill sends an email to his boss and says he'll be out sick for the next few days. Except here's the thing. His boss's email was spelt wrong. This is pretty suspicious because I don't think Bill would spell his own boss's email wrong, especially considering they sent emails and texts all the time. So this doesn't look good. And then they searched the computer history and they find that someone had been searching for drugs that kill. What drugs can paralyze people and basically how to get someone to be asleep 
but not asleep, if that makes sense. Basically, how to get someone in a position where you could murder them and they couldn't fight back. Which, by the way, I did a deep dive of this on Google and there's a lot, which is really scary, that we could all get our hands on. But um, anyways, my husband's probably going to be terrified after listening to this. Anyways, um, so this is all pretty suspicious. Now, I'm about to tell you what I think is the most damning evidence against Melanie. During an interview with police, Melanie actually admits that the day after their big fight, she drops her kids off with her parents and she drives to Atlantic City searching for Bill. Apparently, she's fucking pissed and she's going to find him. And she kind of does find him. Well, sort of. She finds his car. And what she does next is really, really bizarre. Melanie gets in the car and moves it. So she gets in her missing husband's car and she moves it. She explains that she did this out of rage and she knew he was in Atlantic City cheating on her and gambling away their money. And she wanted him to be in a situation where he had no vehicle. Um, honestly, this really doesn't make sense for me. She drives all the way to Atlantic City, which according to a quick Google search is about an hour and a half from their home. And she finds his car. She gets in it. So apparently she must have the spare key. She drives it a mile and a half down the road, parks it somewhere else. And then, oh, this is where it also gets weird, guys. She doesn't drive herself back home. She says she's so upset by the discovery. She hops in a cab, pays over $200 to get home, and is home. So she finds his car, but she doesn't go in any buildings around there looking for him. I just, this is a part of the story that I almost wish she didn't do because this is just so fucking weird. She also says that when they were dating, they used to do this to each other, like prank each other and move each other's car, which is actually kind of funny, <laughs> but it's weird because he just beat you, stuffed a dryer sheet in your mouth, and now you're going to go looking for him, and then you find his car and that's good enough for you? You're that pissed that you drive and you don't even actually look for him? You just say, fine, I'll just move his car, and then you're so upset that you take a taxi home, which by the way, really hoops her because then the next day she has to figure out how to go and get her car back. So this whole thing is just really strange. Um, another secret that Melanie admits is she actually purchased a gun. A little while before the murder took, takes place, Melanie's on record buying a gun and she says she buys the gun for Bill. Bill has a criminal record from I think it's all driving um, issues, but she buys the gun because Bill says, hey, hun, I need you to buy a gun for protection because I've made a few bad gambling debts and I'm just not feeling very safe because the headlights of our car keep getting stolen and I want a gun, but I can't get one. Can you get me one? Melanie apparently says sure, and she buys a gun. Um, the headlight thing, by the way, on my Google search, that is real. Apparently, the headlights of their vehicles kept getting stolen, which I don't, I don't really get. But again, this is just, I'm just keeping this brief. So this is what we have so far. Um, to recap, Melanie and Bill have a big fight. 
still goes missing. He turns up in suitcases and Melanie is about to be charged with first degree murder. Melanie pleads not guilty and just before the trial is set to begin, some weird things happen. People that are really close to the case, like the prosecution, get really strange letters. The letters say that basically they framed Melanie and that it's organized crime being held and that the organized crime should be held responsible for Bill's murder. Um, The prosecution is interviewing their final witness when they actually get a FedEx box delivered and inside it are Bill's car keys, Bill's wedding ring, and a calendar that says we set her up. Now, everywhere I looked, I couldn't find if any of the writing matched Melanie's or if any of the letters or packages could be traced back to her. This is just another weird twist in this weird story. So these letters and packages come in basically saying Melanie didn't do it. However, so far, the evidence points to that she did. The prosecution, sorry guys, theory is this. Melanie drugged Bill, shot him using a pillow to muffle the noise. She then took out a circular saw, dismembered his body, and stuffed them into suitcases, all the pieces into suitcase. Then she went, ditched the bodies, pieces in a big body of water, and she did it. Why? Well, because she was having an affair with her boss. All this evidence, though, I have to say is circumstantial. They don't have any physical evidence directly linking her to this, but, I mean, it doesn't sound good for her. So, remember at the beginning when I said, I don't know, guys, I don't think Melanie did it. And right now you're saying, D, you're fucked. She obviously did this. Well, After listening to the podcast Direct Appeal and doing my own deep dive, I'm not so sure. And this is why. So this is a pretty gruesome crime. Taking out a circular saw and dismembering someone is pretty freaking messy, loud, and apparently from what I've read, really hard. Decapitating someone is no fucking joke. And Melanie was tiny. That being said, of course, with the help of a circular saw, I think you could cut through almost anything. Maybe someone can tell me if that's true. Are circular saws really powerful? But anyways, there's no crime scene. So that means when they went back to look for evidence like Bill's blood, maybe fragments of his brain, they found nothing. And by nothing, I mean not even a drop of Bill's blood in their apartment. And I know you're saying like, oh, it's almost creepy the apartment was so clean. Well, Bill and Melanie were buying a house and they were moving. So Melanie says, we kept the house really, really clean because we were moving. So there's not any drop of anything in this apartment. How did she chop him up? And there's nothing. I should also say, no one heard anything. I know the theory is she muffled the gunshot wounds, but how did she muffle the circular saw? And where were her kids? Because no one ever in this case has come forward and said, oh, I was babysitting the kids. So that's when she could have, you know, dismembered him, stuffed him in a suitcase. No. So how in the world did she drug him, 
dismember him, stuff him into suitcases, and drive him to the big body of water. And her kids aren't saying anything. They were young, but I mean, come on, mommy's using a saw? I don't know. And no one heard anything either. That to me is really weird. I'm not saying she couldn't have done it. I'm just saying the way they said she did it doesn't make any sense. I also have to mention the Google search history. Why would Melanie, a smart, successful nurse, need to Google drugs that kill? I'm pretty sure she knows about them without having to search the web. And you know how I mentioned that some long brown hair was found in the suitcase? Well, it didn't match Melanie's DNA. And even weirder, all over the blankets in the suitcase were animal hair. The family didn't own any pets, and by a quick search of Melanie's wardrobe, she had no animal hair on her, on her clothes, anywhere. So where did this animal hair come from? If their theory is right, that she dismembered him, packed him in suitcases, when and at what point were these blankets all over animals? It just, it really doesn't make sense. And then the whole gun buying thing. Bill's friend stepped forward and said, actually, this is true. Bill told me that he wanted a gun for protection. And apparently Bill had even asked the friend to buy it for him. Now, I don't get why Melanie would buy someone that she says physically abuses her a gun. Um, Probably not her smartest move. But now that we have the friend stepping forward saying, no, he really did want a gun for protection. I'm like, maybe she is telling the truth. Another thing is that there was no financial motive for Melanie to kill Bill. She didn't end up wealthy after this. And the man she was having an affair with says, I couldn't have been her motive because she knew I wasn't going to leave my wife. So here's the thing. They say that Melanie did this so she could be with her lover, but her lover saying, No, we talked, and if we were ever going to be together, it was going to be when our kids were much, much older. So I'm not saying that Melanie didn't do it, but I'm saying the way that they say she did and why she did it doesn't really make sense. What if Bill really did have that gambling debt? Another thing I have to say is Melanie had to have had help. The suitcases full of body parts were extremely heavy. And there's almost no way that she could have packed these suitcases, brought them down to her car, and then disposed of them with not one person seeing her. Like, she couldn't have done this discreetly. She'd be dragging those things. Like, you know, when you're packing for a trip and your suitcase is super heavy and you're kind of like awkwardly trying to manhandle it? Yeah, she'd have had to do that three times with these suitcases. And no one saw her. At any of the points, her loading them into the car, unloading them, or dumping them in the water. It doesn't make sense. So I'm kind of thinking she either had to have had help or she didn't do it. Another issue that we have is the gun. Some experts say the bullets could have came from her gun and some say there's no way they came from her gun. There's a lot of misinformation on this case. I also want to add one more thing. Melanie's story since 2005 has never changed once, down to the details. 
she admits, yeah, I cheated. Yeah, I did weird things. But no, I didn't kill him. It hasn't changed. And I'm just saying, how can she keep track of all these details and nothing has changed in that many years? It's weird. I'm just not sold on her doing this. I also have to say, by all accounts, Melanie was a fantastic mother and she actually in interviews now refuses to talk about her boys. And I don't know. I think that I think she wouldn't do that to her boys. Or am I being fooled? Because then I look at the other side and I'm like, it kind of makes sense because I don't know who else would have done it unless those letters are true and it was organized crime. So if my short story has spiked your interest, I want you to go listen to Direct Appeal and I want you to do some deep dives and tell me what you think. Did Melanie kill her husband or not? And thanks for listening to our bonus episode, guys.